Welcome to the Pace and Freedom with your host, James Pace, where ideas and voices are valued. No labels, no judgment, just conversation. Today I have a very special guest. He will remain anonymous and we'll be calling him Don throughout the episode. Don is a client or as I like to call a beneficiary of the sex work industry. And I also like to see him as a rebel of the U.S. government establishment. And as we all know, this country was founded by rebels. So you can't get much patriotic than that. As you know, the way I see sex work, it's a victimless crime. As long as it's not involving human trafficking or forcing somebody into sex work but then in that case it wouldn't fall into sex work so we'll be seeing sex work in the eyes of don and his perspective and it was an amazing conversation it's a very interesting one i think you enjoy it but before we get started with this episode make sure you check out the website paceandfreedom.com there you'll find all previous episodes and merchandise of the podcast If you become a member, there's some benefits there, so go look at the benefits of becoming a Pledged Liberty member on the Pace and Freedom podcast. Again, merchandise. We have Stevie Madison's tribute poster, coffee mugs, sweaters, shirts, amazing products. So go to the website, check it out, and by purchasing merchandise, you'll be supporting this podcast. Or if you don't want to purchase, you can donate as well. The other way is to check out our affiliates. If you go to the donate page, you will see a list of affiliates that you can purchase using the links there from, and you'll be supporting the podcast that way. That way I can continue to create amazing content like today's conversation. So without further ado, enjoy this conversation with Don. Don, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, James. Thanks for having me, and, and thanks for the uh, trying to be very interesting. No one's ever told me that before. Usually, it's the opposite, so I appreciate it. No, not at all. It is an interesting topic, just because of you know all the stigma that goes with this industry and the fact that it's uh, criminalized and uh, illegal. But there's no real victim unless it's being uh, kind of exploited or abused, and usually those issues come because of the prohibition of the industry. So so kind of tell me a little bit about yourself, whatever you feel comfortable telling us about yourself, and then kind of tell me your first uh, experience with the sex work industry. Sure, we'll do. So, um, you know, I'm basically the average guy, right? I have a job. I work for somebody else. I work for nine to five. I've got a family. I've got responsibilities. Um, you know, I'm a law-abiding citizen, so to speak. Right, and maybe with the exception of this. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it, it's funny, I was thinking about this this morning. It's kind of like being the, the serial killer that gets discovered, right? Well, he was a nice guy, he was my neighbor, and he was the, you know, a coach at Little League or whatever, he's the regular guy. Wow, I can't believe that he did that. Well, it's the same thing with this one, you know, when you're a client of sex workers. If people that aren't really informed find out, they think that you're, you know, what kind of a person are you? You know, you're immoral, you're dirty, you know, uh, they, they can't believe it. Um, you're, you know, you're basically subhuman. The same way a lot of people think of sex workers. So it, it's not nearly as bad, I don't think. Especially, you know, we can get into the whole sexism of it too, but, um, you know, there's certainly a stigma on the client side as well. So that being said, my first experience was kind of an interesting one. So I broke it up with a girlfriend, um, and one of my buddies... He, he uh, turned me on to a website, and it was rated strip clubs. And somehow from there, I got onto another website that, that actually it reviewed and provided, you know, ads for girls. And so, you know, I was shocked. Uh, and, and I used to print out some of the reviews that guys would write, and I'd meet my buddy at the bar. And, uh, and one of them would laugh like crazy, and then he'd say, well, why don't you, you know, why don't you test it out for us? And I said, man, I'm not going to do that. You know, I feel, I feel weird doing that. Then I broke down and I went to a, back then they used to have f- girls who did full body sensual massage, so basically massage and happy ending and you'd go to their studio or whatever. And, uh, and so that's how I kind of got into doing this. And then over time it, it morphed into, you know, doing the, the full boat, so to speak. So, right. 
and, and it's interesting, the, the woman that I first met, she was a young girl, didn't really know what she was going to do. And one day, we got together, and, and she tells me she's joining the army. And I think this was, uh, I think this was Iraq, too. And I thought, you know, you're going to join the army, what are you going to do? And she ended up, you know, she was in the army for four years and, and did really well, and, and now she, uh, she moved out of San Diego and, and lives somewhere up in the Pacific Northwest, so... Well, happy, a happy ending, not as bad as everyone would think, right? Right. It brought back some memories about, you know, because I served 14 years in the military, and uh, it's interesting, and this is kind of a side topic, and I'll go into this maybe in another episode, but just really quick to touch on it. We get people from all walks of life in the military, and I... I actually remember having somebody and I felt bad for this girl because because of that stigma, right? That that's out there. And she before joining the Navy was a stripper and somehow it got out because people, you know, started looking into her social media and whatnot and found out that she was a stripper at one point. And for some reason I guess for guys in the military that led to an open door for them to kind of um treat her. Uh, differently, which was unfair to her. And um, I kind of felt bad in that aspect of it. But it's, it goes back to what you were saying, you know, you're a normal guy, you you work a nine to five, you, you're a productive member to, of society. And but if you got caught doing this, this industry, or receiving these services, you're automatically a criminal for something that really didn't hurt anybody. Anybody. As a matter of fact, you know, it, 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 it enriches both parties in different ways. Um, and, you know, with me, in, in my circumstance, if I got caught and it became, it would be public knowledge, right? Anyone could, could do a background check on me and find that out. Right. I work, I'd probably lose my job over this, um, just because of some of the memories of the office. So, uh, is that right? When I'm doing something, like you said, when I'm, I'm, I'm participating in activity, it really doesn't hurt anybody. I mean, the, the person at, at the level, like where Stevie is, you know, it's so up to her who she wants to see or not see. Um, so, you know, I'm lucky enough that, that we got to meet each other and we became friends. But, you know, we both get things out of it more than just a monetary transaction. You know, we've become friends. We know each other. You know, we laugh. We talk. Um, we're good friends. And, and that's happened to me over the years certain people, not certainly not everybody, but it's like when you meet anybody uh, out in the other world, right? You meet a lot of people, with a few people you have connections with and they become friends with, with a lot of people, they're, you know, their acquaintances are strong acquaintances. And it's the same thing here. And kind of circling back on what you said about the girl who was a stripper and then how guys treat her when they found out, you know, I think a lot of guys that, that participate in, in, in the sex work industry they have that same negative connotation or feeling towards the women that they're going to see, that they're, they're less than human or they're trashy or they're going to be used. And it, it's interesting because if they didn't know that about them, they wouldn't feel that way. So right. you kind of have to wonder, what, how does this all start, right? And, and uh, I don't want to get off topic, but for me, I think that organized religion has a strong, strong role in it, and especially here in the United States. I haven't been to Europe, but, you know, I, I, I'm able to read, so you read about things over there, and the attitudes are a little bit different over sex in general and sex work. And over here, it's very puritanical, and I think that's what's helpful for society overall, and in particular when it comes to sex workers, because, you know, not only they're stigmatized, but they're vilified, really. And, of right. course, that helps everybody justify rights to criminal behavior, right? Makes it easy. It's right. unlawful. It's not right. And... For those guys, it's kind of hypocritical because they, you know, like you said, they see this person as less than, but they're actually participating in what they feel that is immoral. And I don't know where they get their their moral justification if it's, well, even though I know this is immoral, I am better than this person. So that makes it okay. I don't know where that comes from. And that's more of a psychological, I think, issue there or a societal psychological issue i guess the question i have because i've never really participated in the sex work industry and the sex work industry can be broadened a little bit more to 
strip clubs, even some massage parlors as the massage parlors that you've described. And even in the, the ones that you see right there in the, in the shopping malls, sometimes I've heard that you can get some extra services and, you know, I guess the extent of, of the sex work industry that I've been in probably would be uh, as far as the strip club. Now, when you go in deeper, as you call it, the kind of like the full boat, uh, do you ever meet other guys that have uh, benefited from these services uh, or talk to other people, beneficiaries of the sex industry? I have once, and it was inadvertently. So there was a, this was years ago, and there was a person that I would see, and she, she and another uh, girl went in a house, and I was wanting to hang out with her, and I think, you know, we were drinking some wine or something, and the, the other girl had a date, and he came over. And the first time I met somebody, it was a little awkward, quite frankly, because, you know, discretion is really key here because of the fact that it's illegal, right? Right. It's a criminal offense. So for me, it was interesting. We didn't, we didn't really talk about it. We just said hello. And, and he didn't even give me his real name. He gave me his mom to pull him, if you will, which was fine by me. So, you know, I've never really talked to guys that participate uh, in the industry directly. It would be a good conversation to have. Um, you know, my experience has really been with people that I know and then how they talk. Now, I do have a really good friend of mine who's married. He's been married for you know, 30 years. And he knows that I do this every once in a while. And, and he says he thinks it's great. He said, you know, you don't have to put up with uh, the, th- the negatives that you do in a relationship. Um, you can have a great time with somebody, and then when it's over, it's over. And if you want to see him again, you can. Even when you guys have a choice. So I know that's not answering your question directly, but but um, you know he's the the rare bird though. Most of the guys right. I know are the hypocritical guy, where they'll you know what a, what a dirty, filthy person. You know that, that's just a dirty, filthy whore. And then they get drunk and they're on a bachelor on a bachelor party. One of the first guys running in. You know, with, with a stripper who's there just to dance, right? Right. And what are you grabbing on appropriately in proposition when you go, hey, man, what happened here? I thought you were the guy that said, this is the worst person ever, right? Worse than a, someone that killed a baby and, and cooked it in the oven, but now you think you're the worst person in the world? I don't understand that. And, and that seems to be more of the case than not. But maybe I'm hanging out with the wrong group of people. I don't know. Right, right. No, I, I kind of had that experience too. You know, again, uh, when I was in the service, I would hang out with friends. And when I used to drink, we after drinking in bars and stuff, we would go to a, scri- a strip club after. And I remember the strip club that we went to was uh, a little bit more uptight about how they kind of conducted business there. You know, there was absolutely no touching. And, you know, the uh, I just remember... You know, I, I asked for a VIP and the VIP wasn't that much. You know, you got to see full nude, but there was no touching whatsoever, no grinding, nothing. And uh, this girl came to me, you know, I the girl that I picked, she's like, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you ask your friend to stop being such a, a jerk? Right. Yeah. And I didn't realize it at first. I didn't, you know, I was hanging out with him and everything. I didn't see what he was really doing at the time. I wasn't paying attention. And then I was like, I thought that was kind of weird that she would ask me that. And when I went back out and I started noticing what she was talking about, you know, and this guy just, you know, kept grabbing her arm without like asking for permission to touch her and stuff. And that's where I kind of started dabbing into that whole uh, body autonomy, right? Where each person is owner of their own body and they have the choice to invite or not invite somebody to either touch touching intimacy and whatnot. And with kind of the sex work industry, for example, with Stevie, she has, she's the owner of her own body and she has the choice to run a a business and use her body, not as an object necessarily, but to provide a service, just like any other person would provide a service using their own body, using their efforts, using their strengths, their talents, it's no different. And that, I think that consent is key there, right? 
and yeah. who you consent to. Sure. So, you know, a couple of things. First, I want to say you were in the Navy for 17 years. 14. Never, okay. When you have to say you are a saint, my friend. My dad is a little bit older. He never told me what he did. But he did a, done a ton of West Pack tours, and I have friends that were in the Navy and spent a lot of time in the Philippines, and it's hard to do what you did. So I commend you for that. Um, and, and, you know, with, with uh, how you viewed your, your buddy when you were in the service, and, and this goes into the psychology of it, I think, but, and it's a little topic, but, you know, when you think of someone as less than human or not human, it's easier to do things to them that, that are cruel or that are inappropriate that you normally wouldn't do, right? I mean, I know right. that's, I, I think I remember reading about uh, you know, guys getting trained for World War II, and that's how they, they try to characterize the Japanese. You know, they're, they're not like us. They don't look like us. They don't talk like us. They're, they're less than human, and you'd see these caricatures drawn of them, and it makes it easier to, to kill them when they're not people, right? And I think it's the same way when, when men do that to women, not just sex workers, but women in general, it lets them do things that they really want to do, but that are so, so inappropriate, you know, they shouldn't, but then they think, well, this person's not really a human being, like like my mom or my sister, they're just an object, you know what I want, and, and I don't know why that's, a, how that's ingrained in us or why, but it seems like, you know, for a lot of people it is, and, and you know, that's, that's a subject of another discussion, obviously, with people that are we're highly qualified to talk about it than I am. Um, getting back to the consent in the business, you know, you're right. What Stevie does is, and what, what all these girls are doing, uh, they're running businesses. You know, not unlike any business you'd see out in the world, some of them do a better job of it than others, but a business it is. I mean, there's advertising, um, you know, there's all kinds of prep work for her. Uh, in addition, throwing the layer, they have to be worried that they're going to get caught by the police. And... And they have lives too, just like I do, but are separate from being a sex worker. And if uh, and they have families and parents and people that love them and care about them, and with a lot of them, if, if their families find out about this, if, you know, they'd be uh, they'd be hurt deeply. And the families might even you know go as far as disowning them. So they have a lot to lose, and you know they should have consent over their own bodies. And even going you know back up a, a couple of uh, levels. It's their business. They're free to win it as they want. If they want to see somebody or not see somebody, that's up to them. If there's certain things they'll do or won't do, that's up to them. And as a, uh, you know, and as a client, um, as a customer, it's just like when I'm watching television. If I don't like that, I can go to another channel. It's the same thing with guys. You know, don't complain about it. That's, those are the rules. If you don't like them, find somebody whose rules are more lax or, or whatever you want to do. Um, the consent is the key, and it's consent on both parties. And right. I think Stevie and I probably talked for, man, six months or so before we ever met. Um, and, and we just, we did nothing but talk. And, you know, it wasn't a lot of deep conversation. Some of them were, but we got to know each other a little bit. And I think that's one of the reasons we have such a good connection. As you were talking, and we talked a little bit about, like, the consent and objectifying women, that's kind of the the reason, the made up reason of why it's criminalized and why it's illegal is because the government wants to protect us and wants to protect women supposedly from being objectified. And again, it comes back down to making laws on on a moral basis rather than a victim or a uh, a violation of property uh, purpose, right? And when we think about it, right, what the government is doing by making it illegal is is pretty much unconstitutional because the government is telling you what to do with your own property. Now, again, back to your self, uh, body autonomy, your body is your property. It's your own property. And I was listening to this podcast and this is, again, I probably will come back to this in another episode. Cause as I'm thinking about this, I was like, man, that's actually another great conversation to have is, uh, I was listening to this podcast that they were debating about, uh, abortion. Right. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, the debate got down to uh, private property and that the body of the woman is a, is a private property. Now is the fetus, right? Um, is the fetus a intruder or not? You know, and this is going off topic. It's just to kind of get the point uh, now into the sex work part of it is when a sex worker has somebody over, you know, and they provide their services, that's a invitation and it's a consent to, you know, to, to benefit from that person's property. That person is allowing them to benefit from that property. It's a mutual. Yeah, it's no different than if you were in an apartment building. Right. And I said, I'm going to rent unit two away from you, James. And you said, okay, Don, I have an application for you to fill out. And I want to run a credit report on you. And I need a security deposit. And I need first and last best rent. And I said, okay, great. You have property, but you can do whatever, any way you want. And we agree on terms. And I give you cash, and you let me stay there. There's really no difference, right? Except, like you said, the government's trying to legislate morality, and, and I don't know how you legislate morality. Uh, I don't think you can, quite frankly. Um, you know, they tried to do the same thing in prohibition, and look what happened. Exactly. So, I think you know, and, and I know you're a libertarian, and what I'm going to say is, you know, I'm, I'm preaching the choir with you, but we need less government in our lives. You know, there are literally millions of laws on the books. And if you enforce those laws, I'm sure there are just a, a, a bunch of laws that were set to protect women in, in various forms, uh, which would cover women that want to be in the sex work industry, right? So why right. not enforce those laws rather than make sex work a criminal effect? Maybe I talked about this the other night. Well, you might right that the movements towards legalization rather than criminalization. If something's legal, guess what? Government gets their hand in there, and maybe they get some fees off of it. Well, we're going to regulate this business now. You've got to get a license, a sex worker's license. You've got to do this. You've got to get checked up. It's just a way for them to, to get more in our lives, and we need to figure out ways to get them out of our life more than into our life. Exactly. You know, and that's the big, that's the big thing, you know, Steven, I also spoke about and, you know, have an episode on that. It's like legalization versus decriminalization. And again, it goes back to that, that moral aspect, right? So when you're legalizing something based on morals, it basically what you're doing is saying, okay, here government, here are my freedoms and regulate it, do whatever you want with it. Right. Versus if it was decriminalized, you're, you're the owner of your rights. You're the owner of your freedoms, and you do as you please, as long as you're not hurting somebody else. Now, the one thing I would say about, because a lot of people are going to probably come back at me and make comments and say, okay, you're saying you're not objectifying women, but you're comparing a woman's body to private property. Uh, I think with sex... But it's their own property, that's the difference. Exactly. Exactly. They can, they can do it, or they can say, I choose not to do it. I, I mean, it's pretty simple, but, but yeah, you're right. You are going to get a lot of pushback on that. And what I would say, too, with sex work is you take a step forward, right? Because you're also using your property in this transaction, right? Where both parties are basically making a deal saying, I'm going to use my self-property, and kind of help yourself property in the process. And we have this monetary transaction in between creating this business, right? Creating this, uh, this, I guess, agreement to right. use both properties and benefit both at the same time. Right. And in that aspect, I don't really see the objective, uh, you know, objectifying anybody. Now, let's talk about a little bit about those benefits. How has you know sex work services benefited you besides the obvious? Gotcha, gotcha. So, uh, you know, I've met a lot of, of really, really good people uh, that, that are sex workers. But let me give you an example of two. So, uh, before Christmas, you know, in 2019, right, last year, 
I got a text from someone. I didn't even know who it was. There was nobody I didn't even have on my phone. Asking how I was doing, and, you know, we were listening to Christmas music, wrapping Christmas presents, thinking about me and wanting to make sure I was having a good Christmas, given my circumstance. And, uh, you know, and you know how it is when you don't know somebody, right? You, you don't know a friend of me, and say, uh, who is this again? So I went along and said, hey, thanks for asking. You know, I hope you have a, a you know, I hope you're having a good uh, holiday with your family, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, the following week, Steve and I got together, and I said, I said, man, I, I got this this uh, text message from somebody. I said, I think it was the crazy girl I was dating last year. But, and that, and this, is, that's a, this is a story from her. Yeah. And she was just crazy, you know, nothing to do with sex. She wasn't a sex worker. She was just a little, a little wild. And, and, and oddly enough, I, I haven't talked to her in, since last January, and I got an invitation to a birthday party via Evite, which is which is hard to me, but anyway. Um, I said, yeah, I have no idea who this is, and Stevie said, well, give me the number, I can figure it out. I said, how are you going to figure it out? And she laughed and said, you know, I'm like the best detective ever, so I gave her the number. And <laughs> it was a woman that I had seen probably, I don't know, a couple of years ago, and I think she asked me if I wanted to get together last year, and I, there was a lot of things going on with my family, and, and I had a parent that passed away, and, uh, and, and I thought to myself, wow, you know, I can't believe she reached out. She wasn't reaching out, James, to say, hey, how you doing? I'm a little short on Christmas money. What I, you know, what I get together so I can make some cash. She was really concerned, and I hadn't, I hadn't seen her in, like I said, 18 months to two years, and I hadn't talked to her in a while. And she reached out to me um, because she actually cared, right? Now, I've got friends of mine, I'm supposed to friends of mine, who, who didn't do that. So what does that tell you about some of the people that are sex workers? Like you said, there's a whole spectrum of people, and, you know, some people are, are nicer than others, and she obviously, uh, you know, is, is a caring soul. And if you were to look her up on, you know, one of the social media sites or sex worker sites, she's extremely uh, um, sought after, and has done very well for herself. So why does she need to reach out to me? Because she's just a, a good person. Uh, another person I met, oh boy, like in 2009, I think when she was, she was doing this, we became really good friends. And she retired, I think, in 2013. She's got a, her husband's really successful in this field of, of, uh, of endeavor. She's got a daughter who's really successful and two sons. She's, you know, she's a mom, right? And uh, she retired. We, we, we're still friends. We talk all the time. Every once in a while, we get together and go out to dinner and have some laughs. There's no sex involved in it. She's, I look at her and she's kind of like my best friend and my sister sometimes, right? So these are the kind of people that, that are in the business. And I think that's probably more representative than the kind of people that are always kept raised on TV where they're either strung out on drugs or they're down on their luck or they've got a, a, a pimp. You know, I, I have to tell you, I've never seen that um, with the people that I've seen. I've seen, you know, I wouldn't say a ton of people, but a fair number. And I've never come across it. I think it's because I'm just, I'm lucky and I pick the right people. I think because far, the far majority of these ladies are, you know, the substandard people. Um, and unfortunately, their characterization of them, uh, you know, by the public in general is, is uh, it's just misguided and uninformed. Right. And I think that's the biggest, and not only misguided and uninformed, but they're, they're brainwashed, right, by, right. by society's norms. And, you know, I want to go back to something that you mentioned about Europe. And as a, during my childhood, I grew up in Europe. And as you said, over there, they have a different perspective, which is funny because they're like the most most countries in Europe, especially like Spain and Italy and Greece, are like the most Catholic uh, right. countries out there. Yet their perspective perspective of sex is very different. And I've noticed that about a lot of parts of the world. I've been all over the world. And it's just interesting to me. For example, in Thailand, you know, where prostitution is very accepted there, right? Sex work is very accepted there. And it's kind of almost like a norm where a man will like go on a regular basis to 
to a sex worker and be married. And it's like, okay, the way they see it there from what I've gathered and being the conversationalist that I am to try to learn um, different cultures and, and different ideas is that the way the guy sees sex over there is a, a need, right? Um, to, the need to have intimacy. Now, over there in Thailand, you know, they have certain spiritual beliefs that when you marry, you know, your wife's sole purpose is to carry babies and uh, support the household. Now, that's a little bit, for me, you know, okay, being the libertarian I am, I don't really agree with that, but that's their culture, right? Mm -hmm. So if the wife is only to, to, to make babies, that's the whole purpose, you're taking away that, that other need that you need, that intimacy of just having sex to have sex, right? So to supplement that, that's where sex works comes in and it's accepted because, you know, the guy still has a need that needs to be fulfilled and there is a service out there for it. Just like, you know, if a car, you know, and again, this is not trying to objectify anybody, right? But if in any case, by this explanation, uh, I'm objectifying men, is that if a car needs service and needs oil, there's a service out there for it. You take your car to a mechanic, you take your car to a, uh, a, a, you know, a shop, and you get it serviced. And that's the same thing for the needs of a man. And, you know, in other cultures, even for a woman, there are cultures where women go to male sex workers to fulfill the needs that they don't get at home. So I think for a lot of guys in the United States, that seems to be what you just said, that seems to be the prime motivator and, and, you know, for older guys. They're just, their wives are interested in having sex, and they go out and, and you know, they, they get to have sex with a beautiful younger woman. Um, and, and both parties, like I said, are rich, right? I don't see why that's a problem. A friend of mine got in, in started seeing sex work just because of that reason. So, for the guy, you get to have sex with a beautiful younger woman, both parties are enriched, and not just in the monetary sense. You know, you're, you're going to have a you're going to end up having some kind of a connection, whether it's strong or, 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 or moderate, with someone that you're, you're having an intimate relationship with. Um, and so why, if both parties are consenting to that, I don't know why that's a bad thing, and why it's something that's that's vilified and, and criminalized. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And, you, know, you, know, you asked me, what do I get out of what I'm seeing? It's the obvious. And you mentioned intimacy, and, and you're right. But there is an intimacy, uh, and, and it all depends on who the person is, on, on both parties, really. You know, you can be with someone and you just have the intimacy of the physical contact, and there's nothing more. It's a business transaction. That's okay, and, that, and that's not sort of a bad thing. Or you can, you can really have a good, great connection with somebody, and you get intimacy and you get companionship with them. And so, you know, I know one of your questions was, well, hey, Ken, why would you have a real girlfriend? Well... First of all, there's nothing that says I don't have a real girlfriend, although at this point in time I don't. Um, but, you know, with companionship with a sex worker, when you have a really good connection with someone, and I mean a real connection, the companionship you get gets non-judgmental and it's non-possessive and it's burden free, right? So if you're in a, a committed relationship, you know, with a real girlfriend and you're married, um, there are a lot of boundaries that if, you, if one or the other party crosses them, the other person can get hurt, you can get angry, right? And, uh, and you know, once you're, you're committed to someone in the West, in Western society, I own her and she owns me, right? We're not going to be with anybody else. And if she looks at somebody else, I'm going to get jealous, I'm going to get angry, and vice versa. Is that... That's not the healthiest thing, and in a, in a really good relationship, you're not going to have that. But in a lot of relationships, you do, right? So with a sex worker, you can get burden-free companionship, and yeah, it, 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 is it fleeting? Yeah, because it's not all the time, but it's as often as you want to get together with your party. Um, right. When you do get together, it's fantastic, and there's no jealousy involved. Because it's a business, you know, you understand that part. 
What does it mean you can't have a real connection with someone and become great friends and have strong, caring feelings for them? You can, but I know a lot of people are going to say, God, this guy's just saying that because it makes him feel better and it enables him to do what he does. You can say that, but the truth is the truth. And I think if you talk to a lot of people that are involved in this on both sides, they'd probably tell you something close to the same thing, maybe in a different way. At least I hope they would. Right. Again, it, it, the, the legalization part of it, right, the, the criminalization part, mm-hmm. and we go, we keep going back to that whole it's a moral thing, and then I know the argument will be, well, what about the people that are exploited? You know, when we talk about human trafficking, a lot of people confuse human trafficking with sex work or interchange the two, which they're two different uh, things. And I would even say that in the spectrum of sex work, I could not include in my own mind and in my own opinion, include human trafficking into it, even if there's sex involved with it, because the difference between the sex work industry and, and human trafficking is that, that big thing that the consent part of it, right? Where human trafficking, there is a, a person who is causing uh, aggression or coercion to force somebody to use their property, their self property for services that benefits that person, the, the aggressor. Right. Well, I mean, in essence, it's, it's kidnapping, right? Kidnapping exactly. And, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not an attorney, but I'm going to take a wild guess and say there are anti-kidnapping kidnapping laws on the books, probably a plethora of them, and the same thing with forced slavery. So, again, it goes back to what I was saying, too. There are a number of laws on the books that can be enforced. I'm putting this blanket out thing out there that, you know, prostitution is bad, sex will therefore sex work is bad, in whatever form, let's let's criminalize it. Doesn't make any sense. Now, are there some people, are there some sex workers that are unfortunately, you know, could be cause problems? You know, the one I always think about is, you know, the kind of thing you think about when you see in New York, the girl on the street walking around in front of someone's business. Sure. There's anti-loitering laws. There are all kinds of laws on the books to kind of to stop that or to curb that. So I think between right. two consenting adults, what we do is no one's business but the two consenting adults. The government has no business being in our lives any more so than, than if if you wanted to come over and buy uh, a, a, you know uh, a kitchen table from me. Right. Well, what would be involved in that? It's the same thing. Right. So let's kind of reel this back in for a second, because I want to come back to this one simple truth, right, where for government and the legalization. So the government is saying that, okay, we're making this criminal because it's morally wrong and we don't want women to be objectified, which is all a big lie, right? And I think this is where people are just, I hope, get their mind blown. And the fact is, it's not criminalized because of the moral um, reason, because it's morally wrong, which I don't consider it morally wrong. It's mm-hmm. criminalized because if we decriminalize it, the government now has no say because, again, your body is your self-property. No one owns it. The government doesn't own it, and and that mm-hmm. means that the government now has no control. They can't somehow benefit they can't legally or constitutionally tax your body that's the real truth that's why it's criminalized in my opinion and you know i'm uh, 99.999% sure that i'm right on this well, uh, I mean, if you think about it you've got each police department probably has some special task force vice or whatever and that's their job so if this was decriminalized, then what would they do? Would some of them lose their jobs? And then I think when, you know, a lot of girls get, get busted and they get in front of the judge, what's the judge really going to do? He's going to throw them in jail. He's going to put them in prison. Yeah, exactly. He's going to charge them. He's going to tax it. And, and these girls, you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to hire a, a, a lawyer at $1,500 an hour 
to, to help them out? No. They're going to pay the fine. It's just a game that the government plays, like, like they do with a lot of things. And, and this is this falls under that, that compendium where all they want to do is tax us in any form they can, as long as it's not called tax. And in this case, they're protecting women and they're protecting society by this evil menace. And it, it's, it couldn't be further from the truth. Going back to like the human trafficking portion of that, right? Again, like you said, there's already laws in the books to kind of protect people. Like you said, there's several kidnapping laws. There's several um, loitering laws. There's several, and there's just a basic natural law of it's just unconstitutional and it's against your natural rights for somebody to force you to do something that you don't want to do. Where have you seen dangers by it being criminalized? And I mean, it takes us, like you said, it takes a certain amount of the, of strength and like assertiveness to be in that in that industry. You know, in a world that where we live in, where like a lot of women and and men too, but let's just state the facts: there are more uh, female sex workers than there are male sex workers. Uh, so, and in a world where women do tend to be objectified not because of sex work, just in general, uh, because it's the mentality of our society. And 
in a world where women are constantly judging each other, um, they have certain uh, self, they're self judgmental about their own bodies. They, they try to do all these crazy things to look like women that are on TV or these supermodels. And you have these sex workers that are just very self-confident, non-judgmental, and assertive about their own bodies. You know, Jason, you know, you were talking about how, you know, today's women, you know, have to have a certain strength as women overall because of the pressures that society puts them puts on them as being normal, right? And, you know, you look at TV and everything else, and the women are always beautiful, and they always... And that they all have PhDs, and, and you know that's not—that's really not um, indicative, or, or that doesn't really run the cross gamut of, of, of women today. So this goes back to you know women having to be strong. You have to be. You have to have a really good sense of self and be comfortable with who you are, um, and not to be swayed by this constant barrage of what other people say you should be when other people's opinions really. You know, they, they, don't, they shouldn't matter, um, especially when it's coming from, you know, Madison Avenue and, and marketing or from men who have a certain ideal for a woman. And, you know, let's be honest, we're men. What the hell do we know about women? Um, we should probably shut up more and listen, and listen a lot more and, uh, and maybe learn something from women. So, um, you know, for a sex worker, you've got to be, you've got to take that strength to the next level and then some because of, of all the stigma that society puts on you and the way they treat you and look at you. Um, I keep using the word subhuman, but I, I think that's the way a lot of people look at sex workers, unfortunately. And, and running the gamut, whether you're uh, uh, you know, a sex worker that provides services, or whether you're in the pornography business, or whether you're an exotic dancer, or you're one of the girls that does camming, or whatever else. Right? Even, even Instagram models, I think, you have girls that, that became model, and you have girls that do something a little bit more risque, and the risque girls, they, they probably treated the same way, right? right. I like that society is coming around a little bit more, and, and letting women be who they want to be rather than dictating. Um, but I think it's, it's we're just maybe some small pockets, and it's not coming on as fast as it should be. If we really want to have equality for women, right? And that's right. Another do we really want? Do the society really want to have women make women equal? Or do they say that because it it sounds good? It's the flavor of the day today. Um, exactly. Because you can tell, I think it's probably more of the latter. You know, the, the old white guy always wants to stay in power, right? Exactly. So, um, you know, I really think that the state, you know, when I when I say about the state, not just like you know, the state of California, like when we libertarians we talk about the state, we're talking about you know the overall government and they, they have a lot more control over our lives than what people think. Everybody's in this delusion that we're free and we're obviously to me, we're obviously not. And a lot of these influences of what the media puts out and this rap, this wraps back around to sex work is they vilify sex workers or they make up this narrative that there's these pimps that are abusing women, even though if that was the case and that's why it's criminalized, why are we treating then the women that work in the sex work industries as criminals? If you're actually trying to save them, you would then not treat them as criminals and put them in some sort of path of uh, not being a victim, but they're not victims. So that's why they can't do that. Mm -hmm. The government has this, control over over what you're thinking what you think and in the sex work industry it's the government that has put in the minds of many that is this horrible practice uh that objectifies women and it's far from the truth in my opinion and i i would dare to say in your opinion if it was decriminalized what would you see that being like so what do you mean by what would i see it being like if it was decriminalized the impact it would have, or how would the impact, you? and the I would say both. How would it affect you, and how would it impact society? You think? Okay, so the, the, initially, the biggest thing would be I wouldn't have to worry about no more than what a sex worker have to worry about the two of us getting together and you know and getting arrested for it, 
or, or even maybe even talking about it, right? And having uh, getting caught up in some type of electronic sting, if you will, um, where we can come in and put the pressure on you. And so, so you get rid of that whole that whole state hassle, right? Where you know the Gestapo is going to come in and and get us for something that really isn't isn't harmful. So, so that's the first thing. And, and by the way, that'll take a lot of anxiety off, off the sex workers more than the, the men. I mean, I don't know any any guy that, that goes to a sex worker that goes daily. Um, you know, maybe Robert Kraft can do it because he's got so much money. But, but most most of the average Joes that do it probably can't. So it's really on the woman all the anxiety they have. And you know, that goes goes to where they screen and, and they check everybody out because. You know, no one wants to go into a, uh, into a transactional relationship where you're scared to death. That, that's not good. So I think it reduces that level of anxiety. Um, but the question then becomes, if it's decriminalized, then will it destigmatize? Unfortunately, right. I don't think the answer is yes there. I'm not saying that decriminalization isn't the right way to go, because it is. Um, but destigmatization, you know, that's got to come, 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 come from society as a whole. Um, and, and stop viewing sex workers as, you know, these, these damned people, right, who are soulless and, uh, you know, they're users, right? Um, right. They're only in it for the money. That's all they care about. Well, you know, when I go to work, if they suddenly stop paying me, I don't think I'd show up after a couple, two, three days, right? Would that make me a bad person? I'm only in it for the money. I mean, you know, it's their, like we said before, it's their business. So, right. you know, I think decriminalization is, is the way to go. And we talked about this, you know, I think over a week, a couple of weeks ago when we first talked, and I said it was more for legalization. But then the more I thought about it, you know, there are plenty of laws in the books. I, I know this is, a, you know, going over something we already said, but there are laws in the books enforcing. What we need to do is make our elected officials enforce the existing laws. But enforcing the existing laws isn't, it's not real sexy, right? It's not selling sizzle if you're a politician. Um, I'm just doing my job, right? What, what is sexy is, look at all the new legislation I passed. Right. But it seems like that's all they do. And I know this isn't going where you want it to go, but I'm going to say it anyway. In the state of California, right, when you talk about the state, there is no state that's more state than California. <laughs> that's Every the time truth. you turn around, there's more legislation. The ridiculous amount of new laws that came on in January of 2020 is staggering. Are you telling me that the people, elected officials we've had over the last, not even 50 years, 15 years were so stupid and inept but they didn't protect us properly, and you have to put these new laws into effect. I understand that the world is changing, and, and so is our state. But you have to be kidding me. I mean, we have a major problem, not only in our state, but in the United States. And that's the wrong people are being elected to office for the wrong reasons. Um, and if we, don't, if we can't fix that, you know, believe me, sex work will never get fixed. So a lot of things will not get fixed in our society. Um, uh, and, and the stigma over sex workers will, will unfortunately never go away. You know, they're, they're human, just like you and I are. Um, right. They have lives, they have families. This is just a business for them. Uh, and sure, is it, is it different from, from normal business? Sure it would be. But why couldn't we start incorporating sex work as a normal part of our society? I mean, isn't the pornography business a multi-billion dollar business? Exactly, think, it is. And, you know, I bet you that almost every man in the United States, almost every male in the United States, has viewed pornography in some form and use, continues to view pornography in some form. So, you know, let's, let's really get it out on the table. Why is it bad? Right. You know, I'll tell you what, it's, it's bad because if it's bad, you can criminalize it, and then you can regulate it and you can tax it. Exactly. If I go to a nail salon and I get my nails done, which I don't, but if I did, you know, that's my body. I want this person to do my nails. I don't need her to have a certification for it or a license for it. I just want my nails done. And if I don't like that person, 
how how they did their work, I'll just find another nail salon to do my nails. And, and by the way, if they, if they hurt you physically, right, you have recourse against them. Exactly. You can take them to court, right? Or you can call the police. So yeah, I hear you. By the way, getting even deeper, why why did they, why does the government, why does City of San Diego need a business license? Because what do they do after you they approve your business license and collect your fee? Do they do anything? Not that I know of. They simply have your business license on file, and they get cash for it. I'm assuming there's a renewal period, right? Correct. So, away from them, it's another, it's a tax, is all it is. But they don't call it a tax, or if it's not called a tax, gee, it's a fee. And James, it doesn't affect you because you know you you don't have an auto body shop. It only affects the guys that run the auto body shops. Yet it affects every business. It's a tax. It gets right. passed on everybody. People don't, I'll tell you, people just are lazy. And you said, you, you used the word naive. I go further and say people are lazy. And the reason that, that they don't want to have, you know, a libertarian on the ballot or, or the, the two-party system is in power is because, you know, you're growing up and you're not a fan with Democrat or Republican. And, gee, I know that, that if I elect Joe Smith, the Republican, he's, he has my values and, and his best interests, and he's going to do things the way I want him to have that, right? And you and I both know that's not true. For you to get the appropriate you needed, really, realistically, you'd have to have the right kind of financing to get your name out there. So what people would say, yes, I know who James Pace is, and they, they sign the ballot, right? Right. To get what kind of money, when you go and ask the people in power, the, the financiers, the political financiers, that's what they say. What are you going to do for me if I can get you elected? Now you're beholden to the donors, not the people you're, you're elected to represent. The system's, the system's flawed in a major way. And I know it's, it's, you know, a lot of people will say, well, it's the best system. It's, it's the worst of the, it's the best of the worst, right? Right. I like to think we can ascribe to something better and, and you know, set a higher goal. Um, Absolutely. People are so lazy, I'll just let... Joe Smith, my representative, do my thinking for me. And if he does a bad job, I'll vote him out. The damage is already done. And the right. system, the system, the fix is in. You're never going to get anybody different from Joe Smith. Maybe it'll be Joe Smith, the Democrat, next time. But at the end of the day, he's beholden to his guys. If we think these officials are looking out for our best interests, we're sorely mistaken. Definitely. And, and I'm going to say one last thing. When you said... At the city of San Diego, there were more, you know, more permits and fees and everything required. So we've got a housing crisis here, right? affordable housing crisis in San Diego. Exactly. I've got a friend who's, who's one of the top apartment workers uh, in the county. And we were having this discussion, I don't know, four or five months ago. And he said to me, do you remember in the 90s when the apartment market crashed? I said, yeah. Remember, and you know, people would say you don't want to buy an apartment, and rents were so cheap that people were selling their apartments because they couldn't make any money. Well, why? Because there was oversupply of apartments, right? Right. So why not make it easier to build apartments for people? Not everyone's going to get to live in a you know in a house on a ten thousand square foot lot with a nice yard for your dog, right? But if you were able, if you let people to build apartments and get government out of the way, then we'd probably have a, a larger supply. Call me crazy, the more supply, the price has to come down to reach an equilibrium. That's the way to solve that problem. And I know that's off topic completely, but it goes back into getting government out of our lives and letting us use our personal property without any oversight from the government, and, and which includes you know, sex workers' body. And, and, right. and the client's body. Choice to make, just like the sex worker does. Um, and, and why do I need to have someone telling me what's right or wrong um, if I'm consenting and no one's getting hurt? Exactly. You know, I want to I want to ask you one question and one last question. And I think because I was thinking about, I talked to a few libertarians, and you know, again, it says I told Stevie, you know, libertarians are for the decriminalization of sex work. Yet, and, and it's on our platform. As a as a libertarian party per se, but 
it seems like a lot of libertarians refuse to talk about the topic and, you know, it's because of that stigma. And there's a lot of libertarians that don't, that are fearful and would love to practice some of these liberties, but they're, they're afraid of the, of the government. Mm-hmm. What? Exactly. And so I try to be as, uh, as rebellious as I can, uh, still sticking with my own principles always. And I feel what you're doing is in a way rebellious, right? You're going against the state. You're saying, I'm going to do what I want to do because it's my right and I'm not hurting anybody and I'm not, uh, you know, and I'm working along, you know, with somebody else that's given consent and I've given consent and there's nothing wrong with that. Even if it's criminalized, I'm doing it because it's my right. I find that very admirable, very heroic. How can you, what would you say to a libertarian that wants to be a rebel? How, what, how can you motivate them and give them the strength to do that? Jokingly is that, so what you're saying is, for wanting to get laid on the Patriot, I like that. And, and I'm going to use that when people ask me, why do you do that? I'm going to say, I'm just performing a patriotic duty. Um, but on a serious note, you know, doing the, easy, doing the right thing isn't always the easy thing. And if we're really going to stick to our principles, sometimes you have to stick your neck out and, yeah, you're going to get it tracked off, but you can't let fear dictate how you're going to act. If you do, we're always going to be mired in the same position that we're in. So for, for libertarians who are afraid to come out against decriminalization, it's more than just decrim for sex workers, right? That, that's just like a, a, a little piece of the iceberg, not even the tip of the iceberg. It's about sticking to their principles, which is, right, less government and more personal freedoms. You've got to start somewhere. And this is, a, this is a, a, as good a place to start as any, right? We want to get government out of our lives. We want to be able to live hassle-free and anxiety-free if we're doing things that are productive and they're not harmful of individuals, of our communities, of our society. Um, so why not take this platform, get people educated on it, about sex work, right? The kind right. we're talking about, not coerced or forced, right? No, not human trafficking. We all agree that's horrific, and you know those guys or those people should be strung up, right? And and you know and put to death in the worst possible way. But for consenting adults, let's that can be a starting point to getting government out of our lives. And I think the more we get government out of our lives, the less taxation there is, the better it is for everybody. And and. You know, sometimes you have to bring, bring people in kicking and screaming, right? And then they realize, hey, this is a pretty good thing. That's kind of what we're talking about here, really. Uh, a lot of libertarians, well, they want to stay away from this because, you know, they feel that they'll probably be marginalized, right? We're taking the stance on a, on a topic that's kind of taboo and, oh, it's distasteful and a lot of people think it's immoral and I'll, I'll lose my platform. I won't get as many likes as I should. You know, right. Well, that shouldn't really matter if you're principled. Exactly. It shouldn't matter at all. As a matter of fact, if, if you're getting less likes, right, shouldn't that mean you're doing something right? You're pissing people <laughs> off. But you're making them think. You know, that's the key. To get people out of their doldrums, to get them to think a little bit about what they're doing rather than just voting blindly. For, like, how many times have you seen the worst... Bill on the ballot for some type of a bond, and I always vote no on that. And yet they always pass. Right. And you, people who voted yes on it, and they say, "Well, because you know, in some way, it's, everything's written because it's going to help the children, right?" Where the right. money? Where are we really going? When you read it, it says it's going into the general fund, and you tell them, "It doesn't go anywhere." Yeah, but if you, it says it's it's for a school bond. Yeah, but it goes into the general fund. Right. It can be used for anything. So. This is part of what we're talking about, right? People don't think. Let's be more critical about about our thought, and maybe we can change the world, or at least maybe we can change sex work or the permit process in city of San Diego. 
You got to start somewhere, and you have to start small. Right. Absolutely. All right, Don. I, I couldn't leave it at a better note with that. I think, you know, I agree. If you're going to be principled, you need to stick out your neck. For this podcast, I know a lot of times people have asked me, don't you worry what people are going to think about having a sex worker, having a somebody that uses sex work on the podcast, uh, you know, having certain guests that I've had, don't you worry about what people are going to think? Not at all. You know, if I'm going to have, if I'm going to come out and say that I have a platform for everybody and for everybody to voice their opinions and have a civil conversation about something, regardless if I agree with it or not. And mostly I end up agreeing with a lot of what people say on, on my uh, podcast. I try to get more people that I don't agree with on here but that's been very difficult because nobody wants to have the conversation. They're afraid of. Unfortunately, unfortunately. Yeah. But I would say this is a conversation I have that I, uh, you know, 100% agree with you. And I think it's time to start somewhere. And I can't think of a better place to start with to decriminalize sex work. It's one of the, the most villainized um, topics and uh, the most taboo topic there is, yet there's nothing wrong with it. Nobody's getting hurt. Uh, you know, if we're talking about solely sex work and not the human trafficking, which I cannot, in my own opinion, lump in with sex work. And I think we need to start there. We tried the the marijuana area and we've seen how, how much good is done. Now government saw it as well. And they're like, okay, now we have to... Uh, tax it more. We have to regulate it more because people are having too much liberties. And I think that's a uh, perfect example why decriminalization is better than legalization. So I think we'll leave it there. And thanks so much again, Don, for being on. It's a great privilege. Uh, I really do see you as a admirable uh, rebellion uh, of the state. So James, thanks for having me. And, uh, and to be called a rebel, uh, Absolutely. You know, the rebels of the revolution were, were heroes. They're the founders of this great country that we wanted for it to be free, and we need rebels to free it again. So, well, in that case, I'm going to go ahead and uh, text Stevie and become a patriotic rebel. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Don.